Welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of Niners Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, is Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. And Doug, it was so nice to wake up on a Saturday, uh, excuse me, a Sunday. Yes. And head downstairs, made a little coffee run. I got home just in time for a 10 a.m. kick, and I spent the entire day watching football. Real football. Actual football. Beautiful thing. Life is good, man. Exciting college football on Saturday. Exciting NFL football. Well, exciting for some on Sunday. And yeah, we are taping this about an hour or two before Monday Night Football, where there was apparently some kind of monsoon at MetLife. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah. Oh, boy. We're ready to roll. Hopefully everybody stays safe. Let's turn our attention to Sunday and... Now that we have nearly an entire slate of, of week one games in the books, uh, which player performance was the most distressing for you in week one? I'm going to go with five. Uh, the artist formerly <laughs> known as the Giants offensive line. Uh, now, before I get into that, I want to throw all the roses in the direction of Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan yeah. Quinn, because Quinn has his stunt heavy multi-alignment fronts doing all kinds of diabolical, crazy stuff, as has been his want all along since he was in Seattle. Uh, so this isn't all on Big Blue's offensive line, but man, this was ugly in a 40 to nothing Giants loss. Daniel Jones had 42 dropbacks. He was pressured on 28 of them, completing eight of t- 18 passes, eight of 16 passes under pressure for 58 yards, no touchdowns, obviously, <laughs> one interception and a passer rating of 32.8, that all per pro football focus. <sighs> Not great, Bob. Uh, right guard Mark Glowinski was a main offender, allowing three sacks and nine total pressures. Looking, he was back in Seattle on the Tom Cable plan. Uh, right tackle Evan Neal, who was selected with the seventh overall pick last year, and about whom there is a lot of concern, uh, pass blocking wise, gave up just one sack, but nearly matched Glowinski with eight total pressures. Uh, rookie Sir and John Michael Schmitz Jr. allowed one sack and three total pressures, and he had to deal with Micah Parsons as an inside rusher, which does not work well Jeez. for anybody except Micah Parsons. That was what a nightmare. Me. He was Parsons was getting double and triple team, which allowed other people to just come in unobstructed, and it was just, it was crazy. Um, I don't think the line will always look this bad because the Cowboys have a rare ability to mess up a front five, but I can't imagine this goes any worse for Brian Dable than it did. And a team that was expected to make a lot of noise this season really looked like um, that's that was not what they expected on either side of the ball, but especially on offense. It was genuinely one of the worst games I've ever watched just yeah. to, from like a single team performance. I was stunned. Let's, let's put a pin in the giants. I, I want to talk about them a little bit more later on. Doug, I'm a little worried about Lamar Jackson. I was, I was expecting, and, and, and here's why I know it's week one. I don't want to super overreact, but I was really expecting this Ravens offense to hit the ground running and, and, and credit to D'Amico Ryan's and that Texans defense. I, I think they did a pretty nice job and had a, and had a good plan and this is Lamar's first game under new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. But he went 17 of 22, no touchdowns. He had an interception. Pro Football Focus had him down for three turnover-worthy plays. His dot was only 5.1. He ran it only six times for 38 yards. It just didn't look anything like I was expecting it to look. And I'm wondering if that's just kind of new, uh, new offense wrinkles they're trying to iron out or if this is indicative of what Lamar is going to kind of look like in this offense, it, it, it just, it didn't, it wasn't a matter of, Oh, there were a couple of bad plays in there. It was just, I think maybe my expectations were too high, but I was really, really unimpressed with, with how the QB looked for the Ravens. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a very different offense under Todd Monk than it was under Greg Roman. You're, you're obviously mm-hmm. familiar with Greg from his time in San Francisco. Um, yeah. That was not a horizontally expansive offense. Not, I mean, not a lot of different route combinations. Right. I thought he got a bit of a bad rap in Baltimore, but they're asking him to do a lot of different things um, with a lot of different people. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., new. Zay Flowers, who looks amazing, by the way, new. Brilliant. Uh, you know, they're dealing with a lot of different stuff. I'm not – I mean, I, I get it. I'm not worried about Lamar long-term. I think it'll eventually click. But, yeah, week one, it was, you know, it was a little weird. On the other hand, which player maybe cleared your expectations, went beyond what, what you thought they might look like? Uh, I will say to attack of Iowa. We have talked Boy. about the plan. <laughs> wow. Uh, we've talked about the plan of charges after the Dolphins in week 14 of the 2022 season, press their speed receivers and dare to to throw over the middle and deep to the boundaries. And he had one of his worst NFL games as a result last year. In the week run rematch, the Chargers did a lot of the same things. I think they played even more man coverage. Uh, I haven't watched the whole tape, but a lot of it. And they just, I mean, they, they went, they doubled down on that theory, which most people wouldn't do because if you press Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, mm, your guys better be good. Uh, yeah. And Tua completed 28 or 45 for 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and the deep passing. <laughs> he completed five of eight passes of 20 or more air yards for 161 <laughs> and one of his touchdowns. And Mike McDaniel, the head coach and offensive shot caller, put some important tweaks in the offense. But this was Tua's game. I mean, he made some ridiculous on-target throws against contested coverages. And for those among you who are part of the two and on society, this could not have gone much better. Highly impressive performance against a defense that ate his lunch less than a year ago. And that's really what stood out to me. Like they didn't change a lot. The Dolphins tweaked things. This was really on Tua to prove, okay, I've had an off season, you know, I've done my jujitsu to learn how to land and all that. And he looked like a completely different quarterback. I was tremendously impressed with that. He was so so good. It felt like every time I looked up, they were sitting in third and 10 or third and 12 or third and 15. And every single time he had an answer. Yep. There were, there were so many ways the wheels could have come off in that game. And he just continued uh, with, with haymaker after haymaker. It was really, really impressive. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, they have other, the offense of other things. I mean, the church is ran for like 900 yards. So they have other things to clean up, but as far as Tua and you know, that whole thing, when you can get rid of the ball in less than two seconds, your guy's already 30 yards downfield. That's very hard to defend. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when Tyree Hill is getting 15 yards down the field as quick as most receivers get, you know, eight yards down the field, that's a huge adjustment for a defense. And I, and I, I love Mike McDaniel's plan of having super fast receivers and just letting them be fast. Yeah. And then letting your accurate quarterback connect with them. Uh, I want to talk real quick about the Rams. Yeah, and specifically uh, with with a nod to Puka Nakua and his ten receptions for 119 yards and Tutu Atwell and his six for 119, Matthew Stafford was really freaking impressive yesterday. Surgical. I I was on the train of his career was done. The Rams are going to struggle because Matthew Stafford is just on his way out the door. But if <laughs> if you had told me that the Rams ran it 40 times for 92 yards. Did 40 rushes mm-hmm. and did not get to 100 yards rushing. It didn't matter, though. Matthew Stafford, 24 of 38, 334 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, uh, but the Rams did rush for three. But if if Stafford is 25% worse, the Rams might lose that game. 
they were so so one dimensional in terms of their effectiveness uh, on the ground. It was a lot of third and longs, and and Stafford was just outstanding. So I, I I like I said I was ready to write him off, and and he bounced back in a big way in week one. Whether it's sustainable or not, I don't know. You can't really live in in third and ten, third and twelve, but uh, it it worked in week one, and and they the Rams offense as a whole eclipsed what I was anticipating. Without Cooper, without Cooper Cup, by the way. And last yeah. year when Stafford didn't have Cup, he was getting his brains beaten in because none of his other receivers could separate, and he yeah. had to hold the ball too long. That's not a problem now. Uh, Nakua, I love coming out. I think Atwell is taking a step, and yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, I <laughs> Geno Smith mentioned after the game that the Rams seemed to want it more than the Seahawks. That's kind of what the tape showed. That's not mm-hmm. something you ever want to hear from your quarterback, but. Um, yeah, and you know the 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 Rams are not tanking. They're not good, no. but they're feisty, and that's yeah. you know that's not bad. Yeah, you it, as long as you teams are going to be bad, but as long as they're not boring, then then you're in then you're in an okay spot moving forward. Let's zoom out and and look at a team maybe. So based on uh, what happened in Week One, is there is there a club that you thought had postseason potential that maybe you're ready to punt on? I'm not ready to punt on the Seahawks, Kyle, but they have me concerned. Uh, you just talked about the Rams, how the Rams were able to nuke their defense Stafford. Again, no Cooper Cup and a bunch of receivers. And a casual fan wouldn't even know. Cooper Nakua, what's that? Yeah. Uh, the pass defense was, shall we say, subpar. No sacks, two quarterback hits, and a handful of quarterback hurries against an offensive line that was supposed to be similarly unimpressive. And the offense with a healthy Jackson Smith and Jigba and Geno Smith as the franchise quarterback now was truly awful in the second half. Um, and that happened after... Both offensive tackles, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, got hurt. Reports indicate they're bringing in Jason Peters to maybe play left tackle or, you know, come up like he did with the Cowboys last year. Um, And, you know, Smith saying the Rams wanted it more. Other players saying the Rams wanted it more. Mm. Pete Carroll's got a lot of work to do. Uh, The Seahawks have the talent to get over this, but they now have to go to Detroit and deal with the Lions next Sunday. Good luck. And that could be all kinds of awful for them, especially, you know, if, if Lucas on the right side is not healthy, cross, I guess, a turf toe thing. We don't know how that looks. Uh, one thing's for sure, they better stop thinking that they're on scholarship against inferior teams because this is the NFL. You can get your clock cleaned any week, and the Lions aren't inferior at all. In fact, they might be the better team. Yeah, more more on the Lions in, in just a second here. I want to go back to the Giants, and I was going to put the Steelers here. And the Steelers would have been my my answer for team I thought had playoff potential that I'm I'm now soured on a little bit because they did not look good in week one against San Francisco. That was until the Giants played. And you it you mentioned the 49ers. They're playing the 49ers defense. You have to kind of Yeah, no no doubt. I just I, I thought just to stick on the Steelers for a second, I thought Kenny Pickett missed some throws that uh, he was not missing in the preseason. And I know the Niners defense is is very good and has something to do with that. So the the Giants though, man, it's not so much so everything you laid out earlier fits here. You could just copy paste the answer. But it was the fact that after Saquon's fumble that fumble six thing that happened mm-hmm. in the first quarter that made it that made it sixteen nothing, it felt like they quit in a division game at home in week one. And then you just start to look at it and the and the Cowboys are are super talented. And based on based on Sunday, it might be the favorite in the NFC right now. So I don't want to I don't want to necessarily say the Giants need to be at that level because the Cowboys on both sides are, are pretty loaded. But you start to look out and it's Saquon, okay. And then 
on the other side is Dexter Lawrence. Pretty much it. And then that that that's it for guys who are who are go to playmakers in a in a on a team that you could see winning the Super Bowl. Like I just I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. I'm I, I still gotta see it with Jalen Hyatt. They're starting two rookie corners. I, I thought the Giants might have been a year early last year and then maybe taken a little bit of a step forward. Now it seems like they're going to kind of take a step back, and it's really, really glaring just how talent deficient they are, And which, honestly, credit to Brian Dable for, for doing as good of a job as he did last year. But that lack yeah. of talent is going to catch up eventually, and I feel like it, it has with the Giants. Yeah, he overcoached. He won Coach of the Year. I voted for him for Coach of the Year. That's yeah. why. The right choice. Uh, yeah. yeah, the defense, I mean, with Wink Martindale and his blitzes and his looks, I mean, Dexter Lawrence had four total pressures. Jihad Ward had one total pressure. That's it. Jihad Ward is still in the league, man. Leonard Williams, zero. Kayvon Thibodeau, zero. Boogie Bastion, who they just got from Buffalo, zero. No sacks. Total of five quarterback pressures in the entire game. Brutal. Not Brutal. Good. Yeah, and, both sides. You know, both sides. Dallas' really offense bad. was kind of weird. It didn't. That was not up to, and, and at some point, Mike McCarthy is going to, you know, bleep the bed with some sort of situational mistake because that's what he mm. does. Uh, that offense, I, I'm not completely sold on, but the extent to which the Giants couldn't stop what Dallas is doing on offense is equally, or maybe even more, distressing. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I think I'm out on the Giants until, until further notice. Let's wrap it up with fourth down here. Is there a team that you, uh, on the opposite? side of that coin is there a team maybe that you didn't think would be ready for prime time coming into the year that that looks like after week one they might be i wasn't all in on the lions hype because jared goff is jared goff and you know sure. i didn't know with all the new defensive backs like would that work uh that was another team that kind of got overcoached and credit to dan campbell and his staff yeah. for doing that but not only did they beat the chiefs in the chief's house last thursday night to open the season there wasn't a thing about it that looked like a fluke i mean they were there and they were ready and they're ready to compete with the NFL's best offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who mark my words will be an NFL head coach somewhere else yeah. in 2024, if not yeah. sooner <laughs> through all kinds of stuff with Steve Spangler's defense, his passing concepts are outstanding. And this is something to watch with the lions, the way they beat defenses with multiple run concepts, bring the 49ers and the Eagles to mind. It's that good. I mean, it, it's a total value pack of run stuff. And it's really fun to watch. Uh, the pass rush led by Aiden Hutchinson harassed Patrick Mahomes for three solid hours. Uh, defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn now has the talent in the secondary to align his fronts and coverages. Rookie Brian Branch will lead the way there. How that guy lasted until the second round, I don't know. He was a overall prospect. Uh, moreover, the Lions had key contributions from all of their first four draft picks in 2023. Branch, running back Jameer Gibbs, linebacker Jack Campbell, tight end Sam Laporta. The top four guys in their draft against the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs, yep. in Kansas City, all balled out. Not much more you can expect than that. So, you know, I, I, the, the, there's this like thunderous preseason Lions hype, and I'm like, yeah, they look good, but I don't know. I, I'm sold. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, I, I love the way that they gutted out a week one win. It obviously wasn't the best they're going to perform this year, but they still figured out a way to go knock off Kansas City. I, I, I'm with you. That was that was really, really impressive. I think Cleveland might be scary. Mm-hmm. And and nothing they did offensively yesterday was was super impressive. Deshaun Watson looked a little bit more like the Deshaun Watson we we saw in Houston, but still not that level of player. But Nick Chubb is going to be there on the ground. That interception is going to be the worst interception anyone throws all season long. It was hilarious. 
Were you trying to throw it to Dax Hill? Really? Was it, did you get your uniform color confused? <laughs> Nick Chubb is is gonna is gonna be the the focal point of that offense. So they just need Deshaun Watson not to throw a bunch of interceptions like the one he threw on Sunday. But their defense, Zadarius Smith steps in right away, six pressures. Miles Garrett, six pressures in a sack. And I don't I don't think I think there were uh, extenuating circumstances that led to Joe Burrow going 14 of 31 for 82 yards. But I think Cleveland's defense is, is legit. And Grant Delpit in the back end had a, had a really, really excellent game for them. I, I, I don't see a ton of flaws in, in Cleveland's defense. And I don't think they're going to need a ton from their offense to, to win a lot of games this year. So I'm, I'm buying Cleveland. I wrote a long tape piece on that defense uh, this morning, Monday morning. Uh, first thing I did when I woke up, it's like, okay, I want that tape and I want to see what happens. Zadarius Smith played like he was possessed. Man. Ungodly. And I, I've been team Zadarius for years. I, I keep yeah. like beating that drum. He's one of the most underrated multi-gap edge rushers or like a pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, but like uh, Delvin Tomlinson was just a, a force in the middle. Ogo mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, all over the place like, like Smith was, like Garrett was. Uh, I'm sure you saw the uh, <laughs> Miles Garrett's Eurostep from the edge and his kind of Iverson crossover with uh, Ted Karras to confuse Karras. I've never seen anyone do that before, but it's brilliant. And apparently it's legal. So, you know, I'm zero, I'm one, I'm zero, I'm one, I'm doing this. And like, okay. <laughs> and then he just beats Karras because Miles Garrett is an alien anyway. Yeah, that defense is there. Uh, you know, I like the back. I like the linebackers. I think the secondary is a lot going on, but that front, the five man fronts, mm-hmm. all of those guys at the same time. I mean, the Bengals said we didn't know how to protect it because Garrett's here, Garrett's there, Smith is here, Smith is there. They had a couple play, they had a couple of five man fronts where it was Smith on one side and Garrett on the other. Good luck with that. Then they had a couple of four man fronts with Smith and Garrett on the same side. So either Smith or Garrett is coming after your guard. Super Jeez. good luck with that. I mean, Jim Schwartz, their new DC, is in his cups, and <laughs> those guys are coming for your quarterback every week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on having two elite edge guys and just letting the rest of your defense figure it out. So I think it's going to be tough to score on Cleveland this year, yes. and it sure looked like it on on Sunday. Well, look at I mean, you got Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson with his three sacks. How about that? Yeah, that was uh, you know I just to add to that i think he's gonna get a lot of those this year because he's a really good athlete and javon hargrave and eric armstead were just impossible to block for for pittsburgh so i think we might see drake jackson kind of come out of nowhere and and rack up a bunch of sacks this year just just cleaning up the mess on the inside that's you know those sacks count just as much yeah they sure do uh doug thanks so much for for hanging out thank you everybody for watching four down territory make sure to tune in each and every week after uh on on tuesday this comes out um we'll be recapping slates of games talking about the news uh love that football's back uh thanks so much Doug. thanks everyone